This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, and welcome to the Rookie Chef podcast with me, Nadia Zirfat, where I'll be interviewing some brilliant chefs about their exceptional recipes. We did this recording at home, so sometimes the audio quality might not be what we would expect in the studio. Hello, you are listening to the Rookie Chef podcast with me, Nadia Ziafat. This week, I'm talking about profiteroles with pastry chef and BBC Good Food recipe developer, Liberty Mendez. Hello, Liberty. Hello, lovely to speak to you, virtually, that is. So can you tell me a little bit about your role at BBC Good Food? Yeah, so I joined a couple of years ago and I am the recipe developer there. So I am in charge of testing all of the recipes. So before lockdown, it was about 90 to 100 a month. Um, So yes, I basically just spent my day eating. Um, It's a lot of fun. How do you even fit that many recipes in and how do you, do you eat all the food? So yes, we, so, so yes, we do um, try everything obviously to alter the recipes if they don't go well or if we want to change the flavour of them. Um, So yeah, it's a great job. I just always say it should really come with a gym membership the amount I eat. Definitely, Mm -hmm. definitely. When I first started at the BBC Good Food HQ, we were sort of um, joint office with the test kitchen, which was absolutely incredible because I used to come back from meetings to find Liberty had put big slices of cake and and lunch and whatever she had been testing that day on my desk. So yeah, I just, (laughs) I was eating all the time. It was so much fun. I mean, Nadia would turn up at the test kitchen door like a little puppy being like, have you got any food? (laughs) A cake, please, for me? Anyone? We all think this is the only reason she's friends with me. It, it is, to mm-hmm. be honest. The secret's out. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about baking because you are the baking queen. Your Instagram is full of amazing cakes and bakes, like three-tiered gingerbreads and God knows what else. <laughs> I mean, you even made me a cake for my birthday, which was delivered to me due to lockdown Aww. restrictions which was incredible like that it was, was the fun. happiest I've ever been it was it was very fun I couldn't believe it um so that's why I wanted to talk to you about the profiterole so tell us about profiteroles what are they so profiteroles are basically made from shoe pastry so the same pastry that you make eclairs from um and they are quite technical and you make them in a way that when you pop them in the oven it puffs up so it's quite a tricky technique to do, but once you master it, it's great. I've witnessed Nadia's Instagram of her attempt to make profiteroles. And if you haven't seen them, um, you need to witness them. They looked a bit like, not to be rude. Go ahead. Yorkshire puddings or like potatoes? Bread rolls, roast mm-hmm. potato. I had it all, to be <laughs> honest. And I think the reason for the failure was it was one of the first recipes that I didn't constantly call Liberty for advice every five minutes. So I looked at the consistency Don't and I was like, this, 
Yeah, I'm blaming you. I'm blaming you because I thought, right, I'm going to I'm going to try it myself. I'm going to go in my own direction. I can do this. I can make this pastry. <laughs> and oh my god, it was an absolute disaster. It was just terrible. But the name is fancy. I found them really difficult to make. Yeah. Do you find them difficult to make or is it just because I, mean, I sort of didn't know what to do? I think initially I did. Obviously, things everything takes practice and the main thing is knowing what the consistency looks like. So where do you think you went wrong? At what stage? Did you think, oh no, I've done something wrong? The stage when I was sort of dolloping it onto the tray with a metal spoon and I was looking at it and I was thinking, I don't think that they should be running into each other right now, but I'm just going to go with it anyway because I don't want to waste ingredients. I'm just picturing loads of little flat pancakes on a... Yeah, it it looked like pancake mixture basically and they came out like hollow pancakes, but I got the hollow part right. Well done. Oh, I mean, you've got something right. (laughs) (laughs) savage um but at least you tried I mean we are here to help you so consistency wise what you are looking for is for it to just about fall off the spoon um in like a thick kind of paste a bit thinner um it's difficult to explain but it should just about fall off the spoon but also when you pipe it it will hold its shape so the way that you can look for the right consistency is basically at the point where you're adding in the eggs so our recipe yeah. on the website says two eggs which I'm assuming you use both and yeah, what you want to do them. is whisk both and then gradually pour them in until you get the right consistency because it will change obviously each time you do it um depending on the weight of the egg and whatever um so yeah that is a top tip is just to check the consistency and don't just shove all the eggs in I think that's where I went wrong it Mm -hmm. said two eggs I was like right if the recipe says two eggs I'm using two eggs I shouldn't have used two eggs which is why I should have called you and which is why I'm also speaking to you about them now so would you say they're worth the effort or not a million percent they are one of my favorite things um Definitely worth the effort and definitely worth the challenge. There's nothing better than that rewarding feeling of making something quite difficult that you didn't think was going to go to plan and then suddenly you're left with these amazing baked goods. Would you say yours are the best? No. You're allowed I, You're allowed to be big-headed. I'm it's fine. I'm definitely not going to say mine are the best. You know where? My love of the fisteroles um, first came from my family used to go to this really sort of ropey Chinese buffet um, that we loved. And they used to have an endless supply of profiteroles that had like obviously been frozen. But that is where my love came from. And then I thought, you know what, I could make these. Um, And obviously my first attempts didn't go to plan, but that's where it came from. Do you know what? There's something about desserts at buffets that is like so wrong, but also so right. I also used to go to a buffet near me and again, quite ropey, but they just had endless jelly and ice cream. And it's that really cheap sort of ice cream that you know has sort of been in the fridge for ages. Mm -hmm. And that they've re-balled and is a bit (laughs) crystallised. But the crystallised bits make it better. (laughs) I don't know why. Is that awful to say? (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't say that, but I I swear that little icy crunch I love it like it's just pure nostalgia so let's go back to basics you've explained the technique you've explained how to sort of get it onto the tray if you're making them would you pipe them would you dollop what what technique would you use so when I 
used to be a pastry chef in big hotels, we would obviously be making hundreds and hundreds a day. So we would, for consistency and to get them all exactly the same size, we would pipe them. So um, we would pipe them all with the same pressure on the piping bags. They were all exactly the same shape. Um, So I would suggesting that if you want them all to be perfectly the same, um, yeah, but you can also spoon them. I mean, if you don't have a piping bag and they are the right consistency. So you've piped them. They all look nice on the Mm -hmm. tray, unlike mine. You've put them in the oven. How do you know when they're done? So initially, when you put them in the oven, you want them at a really high temperature so that they have that initial heat to allow them to puff up. Um, And then after the time it says on the recipe, um, I would check that they're golden and they have been puffed up. And then my trick would normally be to just turn the oven off, similarly to how you would do a meringue, and just leave them to sit in there and dry out, um, just to prevent them from sinking when you open the oven door you've been talking about meringues a lot recently I have I do love a meringue every conversation we've had you talk about meringues and now (laughs) it's making me want to try meringues because I feel like they're quite hard as well they are but once you know how like everything practice makes perfect and yeah they're enough I definitely need some I definitely need some practice so right you've got the fitterols in the oven they're looking beautiful puffed up I think another thing that I did wrong, I opened the oven too early, which meant they just went very flat. But let's say they go perfectly. How do you fill them? How do you get that cream inside? So I would, normally, obviously, I would also use cream. Um, I'd make like a Chantilly cream, which is basically just... I was about to stop you there and say, what the hell is a Chantilly cream. Yeah, I was going to explain. I was like, Nadia's probably not going to know this. No shame. (laughs) Um, So it's basically just sugar, cream, and vanilla is basically all it is. It's just got a very fancy name. And you whisk them all together and then pipe them into the shoe. How did you fill yours when you made them? I I didn't. I didn't bother. (laughs) I just took one look at them and was like, no, no, they're going in. To be so I didn't throw them in the bin because they still tasted quite nice. So yeah. I sort of ate them as like, they reminded me of those sweets that you used to have when you were younger, like the flying saucers. Do you know what I mean? With Filled with the sherbet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. They reminded me of them, obviously not as sweet and sour, but that was a sort of shape and size of them. Again, probably very incorrect, but it was a bit of nostalgia. I just imagined I was eating a flying saucer. Uh-huh. Very um, innovative. Like that. So... So most people go for a chocolate topping, which is obviously what I know profiteroles as. Would you top them with anything else or do you keep it classic? Oh, I love chocolate. Chocolate just makes everything better. So yes. Also, I just, I would top them with anything I had in the, in the um, cupboard, like melted, like heat up some peanut butter for a few glasses oh in the microwave and then drizzle that over profiteroles. That is such a good idea. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, you could, yeah, chocolate sauce probably all the way or just even with some ice cream. I saw someone do a profiterole um, trifle, which I thought was mind-blowing. That does sound like what? So just like a... So like where the 
sponge layer would be, it was packed with profiteroles and then it had like layers of chocolate brownie, chocolate custard. It was unreal. That sounds so indulgent. I actually, I want a bowl right now. You could have done this that with your leftover. You could have done that with your leftover profiteroles, the ones that didn't what would, I I could have, couldn't I? What would make this even better is if we both just had like a big plate of profiteroles to snack on. I'm so sorry. Can we arrange I couldn't that? have made that. I'm sorry I couldn't have made that happen. <laughs> I well, wish maybe I did. next time. Next, next time. time, definitely. So a lot of people say that when they make theirs, it ends up going soggy. What could cause that sogginess in a profiterole? I don't know whether they mean like after or before. Um, if it's once they've been baked, then that might be because obviously you've opened the oven too soon, so they haven't got a chance to get crispy or um, that you haven't left them in there long enough. But also, once you've filled them with cream, you want them to last literally like a few hours. Um, obviously, they won't last a few more than a few minutes in my household, but um, preferably not that long um, because they will start to go soggy because of the filling. Okay, that's that's very helpful. And I put this question to the Facebook group, BBC Good Food Together. Amazing. And um, I asked what they wanted to ask an expert about profiteroles. So Claire McCabe asked, should I change the recipe for round profiteroles and eclairs or can you use it interchangeably? Oh, no pressure being called an <laughs> expert. Um, <laughs> yes, so you can use them for anything so anything shoe related so whether that's eclairs or if you wanted to do a parry breast or shoe buns or whatever hi I I just put my hand up like I'm in school what's a parry breast parry breast (laughs) parry breast Um, madame so a parry breast is basically shoe pastry that's been piped into I believe it's a circle and then they pop up and you cut them in half and then fill them. They're normally really beautiful and in like French patisseries. That sounds like a giant profiterole to me. <gasps> yeah. Just Is a, it? It's Is like it not? the shape of a donut, but as a profiterole. Oh my gosh. The French really know how to do pastry, don't they? They really do. It's impressive. Maybe if I was French, the, the whole cooking fiasco would have turned out very differently. But here we are. I doubt that. So did you also... <laughs> I'm moving on from that comment. Sorry, I'm did being you really also harsh see? On you today. I know, but you know, I need it's tough love, isn't it? Another thing that you can be harsh about is the eclairs yes. that I made. Yeah. What did you think of those? They were beautiful, weren't they? I just really wish I hadn't have witnessed it. Like the shape was just hilarious. Um it looked like a tadpole. It looked very much like a tadpole. Uh-huh. I actually great. found it beautiful in its own way. Like, it, I thought it was a masterpiece. Yeah, it was just like art. You can interpret it in different ways. Exactly. That's how I like to think of things. And also wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to make them, how did you shape them? Did you just do it freehand? Yeah. Although I, I drew, I drew some lines on the on the baking sheet, and I tried to pipe them like evenly, Amazing. but it just sort of ended up quite like blobby. So I, I think I was halfway right. But yeah, you were really, really, you did really well because the first thing is um, making sure that they are the same size, which is perfect. And what you did was draw lines onto the baking paper so that you'd know that they were all the right 
length, which is great. Um, now I would say it's just the pressure you put on the piping bag. So whilst you're piping that straight line, you want to put an even pressure on the piping bag um, as you go along. Um, yeah, that's my main tip, I think, if you're finding it coming out at different thicknesses. Mm. See, I have quite shaky hands. Like, I'm I'm not stable at all. Oh, yes. I remember in the test kitchen, you tried to do a time-lapse for me holding the phone. That was fun. <laughs> that, that was so awful. Basically, Liberty was like, oh, I need to um, record a time-lapse of me piping these Christmas cakes. And she was making so many of them. And I was like, no problem. I'm up to the challenge. I can do it. I went into the test kitchen and I was standing on a chair. I was like, yeah, great job, Liberty. You're doing a great job. And we looked at the time-lapse and I was just all over the place I was shaking so much it was unusable it was, so she's she's never asked me to do a was, time lapse or photos again it was so funny because Nadia had only been at work for like two weeks and I got her to do it and I didn't want to be rude so I just said oh thank you so much it looks great it did I, I said I knew I knew how bad it was and I just said to you I was like please don't lie to me like I know how bad it was I'm so sorry and thus our friendship I'm, began <laughs> I'm sorry for ruining that for you <laughs> So, as I've said before, and as I'm sure our listeners can tell, you are an incredible baker. So, how did you start baking, and how did you sort of learn to bake? Oh, thank you. Um, so, I have no idea how I got into cooking, to be honest. Um, I've just always been in the kitchen and always been, like, making cupcakes with my grandma and... Um, really loved that and then I left to be a chef at 16 and went to train for three years um, which was really fun um, but yeah I have no idea what how it happened but I am really pleased to have gotten when you say career. when you say left to be a chef at 16 I imagine you would like you know in the films with a stick and all your belongings <laughs> at the end of it over your shoulder marching down the road to your destiny <laughs> It was, was it like that? Absolutely. Um, no. So we did have big boxes full of knives and equipment and everything you could possibly need, along with whites with your name embroidered and literally everything you could possibly think of. And we would carry those into the kitchens and everyone would be in tall hats and it sort of just seemed like a film. It was hilarious. It sounds like you were preparing to go to circus more than preparing to be a pastry chef. It sounds oh, incredible. I thought you were going to say preparing to go to war. <laughs> yeah, that too. Both of it. Was it like going to war though? What What was it like in the kitchen? Um, I loved it. As chefs know, it's full of adrenaline. It's full of a lot of pressure. And it's just so much fun because your kitchen becomes sort of like your family. Um, yeah. And it's lovely. And there are late nights and late hours and you wrap all hours of the day um but it's so much fun and yeah highly recommend wouldn't change it would you say would you say it's worth it are you are you glad that that's the path that you went down I think so absolutely it's taught me loads of different things and I can now be screamed at in every single language and it not affect me at all <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. Chefs notoriously have a hot temper, don't they? Some of them do, but I have worked in some really lovely kitchens um, that yeah. haven't been too bad. What happens if a recipe says fold, for example, and I end up whisking? 
I'm doing mad hand actions right now, like I'm whisking in midair. But what happens if you whisk instead of fold or vice versa? Like, what what are the end results? Um, so basically, with folding in, you're trying to keep as much air in the mix as possible. So you're going to go in a figure of eight around with a spatula or a spoon and try and carefully mix in whatever you're mixing. Um, so you don't knock all of the air out of it so it will rise at the end Um, or if we're doing like a mousse you want to keep it light and fluffy Um, although the one exception is that when you're making a really big batch of something like a mousse in the kitchens we would use a whisk to fold something in sorry oh my god curveball (laughs) Curveball. another one I can't keep up I need you to write me maybe a glossary of different terms could you do that I could do that we did indeed have that whilst we were training and we'd have a big booklet of stuff like mirepoix and brunoir and yeah all of these French words that's Um, so scary I've never heard those words before in my life you will in time (laughs) in the kitchen I pretty much have a wooden spoon, a spatula, and I now have a piping bag. I've added that to my collection after the the fiasco. What piece of kitchen equipment or gadget would you say is a must-have in the kitchen? Um, You've got some really great equipment there already, to be honest. Loads of good staples, but I think, not to be really fancy, but I do really love my stand mixer. Um, not sure whether that's because I'm lazy, but it's brilliant for, it's got a paddle attachment if you want to beat cakes together, it's got a dough hook if you want to make bread, a whisk, it's just brilliant and highly worth the investment I think. Yeah, I've been thinking about buying a stand mixer, which I know is very sort of premature because I can barely make a cake, but I feel like it would make me a better baker in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love don't... I love the hesitation there. Like, um, yeah, um, I don't think it's the equipment that's your problem, actually. <laughs> your words, not mine. Um, so you don't necessarily need all this fancy equipment. In reality, really, all you need is like to make a cake is just a wooden spoon and a bowl and some scales. Um, but a stand mixer does help if you're making stuff in large quantities as well. So if you've got a big birthday cake to make or if you're making loads of cupcakes for a charity bake sale or something, um, that would absolutely be a really good kit to get. Um, Or if you just make a lot of bread and don't want to need it all day. And so I feel like your mind is just an encyclopedia of different baking tips and tricks and you've got so much knowledge in there. And some of my favourite recipes on bbcgoodfood.com are recipes that you've written. For example, the carrot cake monkey bread, that is just insane. But how do you come up with such amazing recipes? That's so kind of you to say. Um, We do have some amazing recipe writers on our team. So for you to say that is just great um yeah that carrot cake monkey bread was one of my faves um but what was the question one of my favorite recipes how do you how do you come up with oh, the recipes sorry I was just getting far too big-headed um <laughs> <laughs> so nothing new oh <laughs> no, I don't even mean that I was just trying to get a dig back at you um so I just it's quite a difficult one because we do have such an extensive range of recipes on the website, obviously, because we've got many talented chefs 
Um, but I do try and combine flavors with things I absolutely adore and then try and mix that with a different skill or a different type of bake that we haven't used in a while. Um, I've got really into self-sourcing puddings at the moment. Literally, I just find that magic. How do they source themselves? It's just like, it's an absolutely wonderful creation. Do you want me to tell you or are we going to leave this as a magic secret? Oh, well, tell me. <laughs> um, so, Unlock the knowledge. So to make a self-sourcing pudding, my favourite one, you mix to get the water and cocoa powder and some sugar and you whisk them all together and then you simply pour that over a sponge put it in the oven and then when you take it out it's got a beautiful moist sponge and then with loads and loads of sauce under it it's honestly magic that saves time as well because you don't have to faff about with getting ice cream or well no actually I'd probably have it with ice cream too absolutely would you yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean everything tastes better with ice cream actually just quick question that's something I want to find out from you sticky toffee pudding custard or ice cream ice cream a million yeah, percent. Yeah, I think because it's warm normally when it comes straight out of the oven with some lovely cold ice cream on top of it, just melting into the pudding. Yes. That's my reasoning as well. I don't understand custard people. And if any custard people are listening, then please do let me know why you prefer custard. I feel like hot and hot don't taste as good as hot and cold, especially oh, sticky toffee pudding. Top 10 desserts, 100%. A million percent. Oh, it's one of my favourites. So, on a shoe pastry profiterole note, how are you feeling? Are you feeling a bit more confident? I am, actually. I think my main issue was the consistency. I might even try it again next week, but I probably will call you a couple of times. Actually, no, 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 no. I'm putting that phone down. I'm trying it myself. I'm going to do it. Not that I don't want a phone call from you, but I feel like after this... You've got this to do it by yourself. I have faith. Did you see Barney in the in the comments of the picture that I posted of the profiteroles getting all um, shady? What did he say? He he wrote, "We need to talk. Which recipe did you follow?" In quotation marks. <laughs> I, felt, is... I felt like a child. I was like, "Oh my god!" I texted him the link, and he he just he gave me some great advice as well. Yeah, it's good to have the good food team on speed dial, but this is why this podcast is here, so you can just listen to it whenever you're making any shoe pastry, and hopefully we will give you some tips. One thing I wanted to know, when I made them the other day, obviously that batter was not worth freezing, but there was quite a lot. I ended up with quite a lot of batter. So could I have frozen that, or should I not? Does it not freeze well? What's the you know usual status quo with that? Absolutely. So what I normally do is I would pipe them if, you know, the texture's pipeable. Um, pipe them. Wow. <laughs> so what I would do is I would pipe them um, evenly and then I would put that whole tray into the freezer and then take them out once they're frozen, put them in a little bag, put them in the freezer and just save them for later although I can never find space in my freezer it's literally just peanut butter ice cream and vodka <laughs> staples yeah I feel you on that one the essentials lockdown <laughs> essentials yeah um anyway yes good to freeze and also you can just defrost them pull them out of the freezer defrost them all on a um lined baking tray and then put, pop them in the oven 
that sounds very easy. And then you can just have profiteroles whenever it takes your fancy. So you've given me some incredible, incredible advice and I am feeling confident now. But my last question for you is, what would be your general advice for beginner bakers who want to get started in the industry? Really interesting. Um, So baking wise, I think it really is just a trial and error thing. And if you do get something wrong, don't beat yourself up about it. Just try again. Um, And it sounds like such a cliche, but also it is just a practice makes perfect situation. Um, And also what I would say is there does come a time when you can stray away from the recipe and you can make it your own. Um, But as a beginner baker, these recipes we have on our website are so extensively tested and they do work. So what I would say is just follow the recipe um, step by step, wait for wait, and then you'll know that if something doesn't go right, then it might be your oven or you might just need to practice again. Yeah, I think that's my problem. Um, I've always been quite harsh on myself. So when I tried to bake and it failed miserably, instead of thinking like, it's all right, everyone makes mistakes. I'm sure Liberty made mistakes when she first started to bake. I, you know, got upset and I was like, I give up, I can't do this. But I think, especially since joining Good Food, I've realized that everyone has to start somewhere. And, you know, I'm just starting out and I, I will get better eventually. Maybe not right now, maybe not next week, but one day, maybe. You I'll will. be able to make and perfect fitteroles. You do put yourself down and say that you can't bake, but some of the stuff Nadia's made has been really incredible. And that's just through practice. Like your pizza Definitely. you've made is incredible. Thank you very much. Um, so Savory is fine. Savory I have no problem with. It's like as soon as there's sweetness involved, maybe it's a mental thing. I don't know. I'm going to find out, I guess. Just sweet enough. Yep. Oh, I'm what a compliment. Nice. Um, but yeah, it is practice makes perfect at the end of the day and you will get there eventually. Thank you. Thank you so much, Liberty, for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as usual. And I will apply all these tips and I will get perfect fitterals one day. What beautiful alliteration Abs- is that? Oh, brilliant. And I would absolutely love to see them. And if you do want to step that up a notch, why don't you try and make a croque-en-bouche or something, which is basically just a tower of profiteroles with caramel. Okay, that's mm-hmm. going to be the next step. Amazing. I'm going to find my feet. You will see me making a croque that. You're going to find me making that, and I'm going to blow you out of the water. You'll be absolutely amazed. So I look forward to it. Thank you, Liberty, for joining me, and I will speak to you soon. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And that was the Rookie Chef podcast with me, Nadia Zirfat. To get the recipe and find out more, go to bbcgoodfood.com forward slash podcast and make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode. 